In these midterms, the fight between Republicans and Democrats belongs to the governors. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis took from the playbook of Texas's Greg Abbott when he sent migrants from Texas to the wealthy island of Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. California Governor Gavin Newsom says what DeSantis is doing is disgraceful. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Texas Governor Greg Abbott are widely regarded as presidential candidates for 2024. The same can be said of California Governor Gavin Newsom, but he's repeatedly said he's not interested in running for the highest office. No and no. I've said it in French, Italian. Mm-hmm. I don't know German. I mean, I cannot say it enough. Still, it's hard to avoid him these days, even if you don't live in California. Well, there is growing speculation tonight as Governor Newsom runs for re-election here in California about some ads he's running in Florida. Governor Newsom is on the national stage in New York this week. He's also taking aim again at Republicans like Texas Governor Greg Abbott, saying they are, quote, doubling down on stupid. All this action on the national stage has people asking, is Newsom low-key testing the waters for a presidential run in 2024? And if not, what's his endgame? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Monday, October 10th, 2022. Today, as part of our ongoing coverage of the midterm elections, how Governor Newsom is positioning himself on the national stage and the possible reasons why. My LA Times colleague and fellow columnist, Mark Baraback, joins me to discuss Newsom's political career. Mark, welcome to the Times. Hey, Gustavo. So Governor Newsom is on the ballot in California this November. He's running for re-election, but no one's paying too much attention to the governor's race. Why? Well, because there really isn't much of a governor's race to speak of. I mean, we had, in effect, a gubernatorial election last year in the form of a recall. Democrat Gavin Newsom becomes only the second governor in U.S. history to survive a recall vote. Gavin Newsom won it rather handily. We said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. Yes to diversity. You know, we should say a word about his opponent, Brian Dolly. I mean, he's a legit candidate. He's a state senator from the far northeast portion of the state. For the Senate, he served in the Assembly. Before that, he was on the Lassen County Board of Supervisors. So here is someone who has run for office, who has been elected to office, who has a substantive record, who is a substantive guy. And people in Sacramento will tell you, a very amenable fellow. He's not a bomb thrower. He's not one of these crazies. But he's got a big problem. And that is he has the scarlet R behind his name. Really, really tough to run as a Republican in California. And as it happens, a lot of Brian Daly's position on things like abortion, on things like guns, are frankly out of step with where most Californians are. So with Newsom, a virtual lock then to get reelected, how's he spending his time on the campaign trail? Well, he's been spending it uh, not in California. During a trip to Texas this weekend, Governor Gavin Newsom was once again asked the big question. He was recently in Austin at TribFest. 
Are you considering running no. for president in no. 2024? It's a big gathering uh, of politicos. And I thank you. I'm glad you're applauding. No. Uh, and he was in New York at a big climate summit. Good to see you. Thank you. Talk about some of the stuff he's done in California. I see a podium, so I might as well use it. Um, but as far as the campaign goes, he's mostly been focused on uh, trolling, uh, in particular, the governors of Texas and Florida, Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis specifically. He's paid for billboards on abortion rights in Texas. Its message is a bit unclear, but it has both political parties pointing fingers at each other. It's all about leaving California and not moving to Texas. He's run advertisements in Florida mocking Ron DeSantis. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms. Even Gavin Newsom pledged $100,000 to Ron DeSantis' Democratic opponent, who is a former Republican governor by the name of Charlie Crisp, switched parties. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom. And he's challenged DeSantis to a debate. I'll bring my hair gel, you bring your hairspray, he said in the tweet. We'll hash it out. Oh, man, when it gets down to that, whatever your hair product is. <laughs> so, OK, so this sounds like what someone running for president does. It does. And it is. And he's not, in my estimation. You know, the guy's no dummy. And I think he is smart enough to know that a run for president would be suicidal politically. Let's assume Joe Biden runs for president for discussion's sake, right? Don't know if it's going to happen, but let's pretend that it is. Very difficult for someone to unseat a president of their own party. It's, in fact, a suicide mission. And what history shows is that you weaken the incumbent. So call it a murder-suicide. And Joe Biden runs. Joe Biden's defeated. Everyone blames Gavin Newsom. Where's the political future in that? Okay, Joe Biden decides he's not going to run. So Kamala Harris, who, you know, if she was a stock, would be trading very, very low, let us say. But the fact is, structurally, she is the front runner for that nomination. She is looking to make history as the first black woman president. The base of the Democratic Party is black women. Tell me the percentage in Gavin Newsom going after her. So I think Gavin Newsom is positioning himself if lightning strikes, if Joe Biden doesn't run, if Kamala Harris were to run a terrible campaign, which she's perfectly capable of, she's done it once before, then he'd be in a position to sweep in as the savior of the party. And in the meantime, he's getting a lot of attention. And we're talking about Gavin Newsom, right? The difference between a governor doing workaday, boring governor stuff and a governor who, hey, might be running for president, might take on his own party, right? A lot of people all across the country are talking about him in a way they wouldn't if he was just, like I said, just another governor doing governor stuff. But I just don't see him running, really running in 2024. Coming up after the break, the wars of Gavin Newsom. Mark, we've talked about the rise of Governor Newsom before on the podcast, so just give our listeners a quick refresher on him. Like, where'd he come from? What offices has he held? All that stuff. So Newsom really grew up in two worlds, if you will, in the San Francisco Bay Area, dividing his time between life with his single mom, who worked three jobs to uh, scratch out a living, and then with his dad, who uh, was a state appellate court judge with deep roots in San Francisco's Democratic establishment, whose best friend happened to be the oil heir and billionaire Gordon Getty. And the Getty connection is significant. It helped set Gavin Newsom up in business. We're talking about an upscale chain of wine stores, wineries, restaurants, nightclubs, hotels that have made him quite a wealthy man. 
So Newsom got his start in politics in 1996, when then San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown appointed him to the uh, Parking and Traffic Commission. The next year, Brown appointed Newsom to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, which is San Francisco is a city county. So that's the equivalent of being on the city council and board of supervisors, if you will. Served three terms there before becoming mayor and then got reelected mayor four years later. A lot of people won't remember this because why should you? He ran for governor, not very successfully against Jerry Brown, who ended up winning. Dropped out of that race, ran for lieutenant governor, got elected, got reelected as lieutenant governor in 2014. And then, of course, he was elected governor in 2018, winning 62% of the vote, which happens to be the exact same percentage he received in beating back the uh, attempted recall, which, to my mind, was a a huge waste of uh, 200 plus million dollars, essentially to rerun an election that uh, he won the first time. Yeah. And speaking of that recall, Newsom obviously trounced it, destroyed it. But did the recall change him in any way? Well, what I think it did was I think it emboldened him and I think it cut him loose. I mean, he doesn't really have a reelection campaign that he needs to tend to, which frees him up to troll Ron DeSantis and troll Greg Abbott and make a national name for himself. I mean, the fact that we effectively had a governor's race with the recall last year means we don't have much of a race this year. Yeah, and it seems like ever since the recall happened, he's been trying to govern more for the whole United States or at least address huge contentious issues. Like whenever Newsom holds a press conference announcing a new bill, he always seems to say California is leading the nation. Yeah, I think some of that is just the fact that, you know, the governor of California is a really, really big deal and it's a really big job and it's a very, very large platform. And I think Gavin Newsom has been capitalizing on that. And also, you know, we do see sort of this, I wouldn't call it an experiment, but it is a side-by-side contrast, two very different styles of governing, two very different approaches. And Texas and Florida are the embodiment of that more conservative vision of governance. And California is the uh, exemplar of a more uh, left liberal way of governing. And Gavin Newsom has been very eager to make that contrast because I think he feels that it's not only been successful, and we could debate whether that's true or not, but from his perspective, successful in California. And I think the direction the country is headed as it becomes more diverse. So I think Gavin Newsom, you know, will tell you that he thinks that he's shown a successful model in California and he wants to see that go national. Yeah. And one of the ways he's doing it is by, you know, getting these big national topics and saying, like, this is a bastion of liberalism and we're going to not only pass groundbreaking initiatives and bills, we're also going to <laughs> trash talk the people who aren't doing it. So one of the big issues, of course, is abortion. What sort of policies has he put forward? Well, he, of course, is supporting Proposition 1, which is the measure on the ballot that would enshrine abortion rights into the state constitution. So this is a remarkable moment, but we're here in California and we're here to stand tall and to meet this moment head on and to lead and lean in. And I'm very proud of that. But he also recently just signed a suite of legislation bills that would make abortion more accessible, increase funding for access to abortion. I am very mindful that California can play an outsized role at this moment. I'm mindful of the fact that we punch above our weight. I'm mindful that this state is the largest and most diverse state in the world's most diverse democracy. I'm mindful of our history, our proud past, where we have led. An even bigger topic for Newsom has been climate change, and California has long been aggressive in tackling the issue. But what has Newsom done? 
Well, what Gavin Newsom has done is build on uh, giving credit where due. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, one of his big signature issues was climate change and passed major legislation. And Gavin Newsom has extended those other measures to wean California from fossil fuels to promote uh, alternative renewable energies. And perhaps the big one is legislation that would ban the sale of any gas powered cars. The goal being uh, California going all electric by 2035, which, you know, really isn't that far down. Forgive the metaphor too far down the road. Yeah, all these stances obviously put Newsom on the more left side, it seems, of the Democratic Party. So I'd assume his relationship with Democrats is all good? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, look, there are small, you know, things about Governor Newsom's style that folks in Sacramento don't like. I'm talking about members of his own party. You know, they feel that he blindsides them sometimes. There was this legislation involving uh, re-upping the Diablo nuclear power plant, felt they were blindsided, he kind of brought it up at the last minute. So there are style things folks don't like, but there's also more substantive things. You know, he vetoed legislation that would have let local governments set up safe drug injection sites. He's also taken on national Democrats after the... Uh, Dobbs' decision leaked out, overturning Roe v. Wade. Uh, he said, where the hell is my party? Where's the Democratic Party? Why aren't we standing up more firmly, more resolutely? Why and he's really gone after Democrats, criticizing them for not being more vigorous. This is a concerted, coordinated effort. And yes, they're winning. They are. So he smacks down Republicans. He'll also smack down Democrats. Where does that tendency come from and... What does he gain from that? Well, I think part of it is feeling that he's filling the shoes that he's been fitted with. Being California governor is, as I said, a big job, a big stage. I think that he feels that, you know, he has every right to speak out and should and should take advantage of that platform. I do think, too, you know, he's talked about growing up dyslexic and being bullied and specifically said, I don't like bullies, which is how he's referred to uh, some of these Republican governors. So I think in some sense that's personal. And I think there's a little bit of ego there thinking, hey, I'm governor of California, you know, people should pay attention to me. I'm important. More after the break. Mark, you mentioned earlier how Newsom has been in the news nationally this year, not so much for what he's doing in California, but what he's saying about two prominent Republican governors specifically. One of them, of course, is Texas Governor Greg Abbott. What's the beef there? So Governor Abbott signed very restrictive uh, legislation, effectively banning abortion in the state of Texas. But what is notable is how far he went beyond that. Essentially, what the legislation did was deputized just your average citizen who can go after anyone, take them to court, anyone who has an abortion, anyone who is seen as aiding and abetting someone having an abortion. So basically turning people into, I don't know if you want to say snitches, but that's kind of what it is. So Gavin Newsom said, well, fine. Okay. If you're going to do that on abortion, then we're going to do that with guns. We're going to pass legislation and say to folks, hey, if you want to go after somebody for possessing a gun they shouldn't have or whatever, then sure. We're going to use it to save people's lives here in the state of California. And a significant part of that legislation actually allows the attorney general or private citizens to sue gun manufacturers who were very successful in Washington lobbying for uh uh, legislation that prevents them from being held liable very explicitly. So this very much goes against what has been federal law and a carve out for the gun industry. Newsom's been even harsher on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, like we kind of mentioned earlier, and vice versa. 
What's their back and forth about? You know, the back and forth between uh, DeSantis and Newsom, you know, part of it is like the law of physics, right? The equal and opposite reaction. I mean, you know, Ron DeSantis is very much out there running for president, even as he runs for re-election in a way that Greg Abbott is not. So I think Gavin Newsom may be responding more to Governor DeSantis simply because he has a much, much higher profile. But, you know, things really got snippy between the two of them when DeSantis signed some legislation. Uh, it was a law restricting how sexual orientation and gender identity are addressed in Florida's public schools. In Florida, we will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education not an indoctrination. Disney, big employer, huge economic factor in both California and Florida, came out against the legislation. So Ron DeSantis signed a bill that took away some of Disney's special tax deal and some other stuff involving their properties. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis asked the legislature to repeal a law allowing Walt Disney World to operate a private government over its properties in the state. It's all part of a feud between the governor and Disney over what critics call the don't say gay bill. So, I mean, it was very clearly a retaliatory measure against Disney. You're a corporation based in Burbank, California, and you're going to marshal your economic might to attack the parents of my state? Uh, we view that as a provocation, and we're going to fight back against that. So Gavin Newsom said, hey, Disney, come on back to California. And, you know, he's also talked a lot about books that have been banned. He tweeted out a picture of himself actually looking very scholarly as he sat there and read one of the banned books. He had a stack of others in front of him. But more substantively, he just signed into law a bill offering refuge, quote, quote, to transgender youth and their parents who feel persecution in their home states. I'll tell you this, the legislature gave me $12 million. We're gonna spend every penny of that to make sure that we're protecting the people of the state of Florida. And of course, Ron DeSantis was very much in the news with this, we'll call it what it is, political stunt, where uh, Florida passed some legislation giving him money to deal with immigration. So he used some of it to send someone to San Antonio to round up some poor, unsuspecting uh, asylum seekers and ship them off to Martha's Vineyard. He's got kids. I have kids. You saw those young girls with backpacks no older than his children, my children, being used as political pawns. And now he's using it to fundraise, to raise money. It's disgraceful. He's a disgrace. The point of the message was to be in your face. So Ron DeSantis did that, and Gavin Newsom turned around and got in his face. You know, it's action and reaction. Florida does something, and Gavin Newsom pushes back and says, hey, we're different. Here's how we do things in California. Again, for good or ill. You said earlier you don't think Newsom is gearing up for a 2024 presidential run, but when you hear him doing all this posturing, what do you think he's doing? I think he is positioning himself if the star and the sun and the moon were to line up just perfectly for him to make a run in 2024. But again, I think he's just trying to turn himself into a national Democratic spokesperson so that in 2028 or 2032 or whenever opportunity comes along, he would be positioned to do so. And I also think Newsom is someone who, you know, he wants to be a player. He wants to be heard. He wants to be a part of the conversation. He wants to be in the mix, whether he's running for president or not. He wants to be a part of the conversation. And he certainly managed that. Yeah, it's interesting because there is that tendency for a lot of California governors to run for higher office. Ronald Reagan, obviously, but Jerry Brown ran for it. Pete Wilson, hell, Hiram Johnson back in the day, they all ended up running. 
Well, you know, when you're California governor, it comes with several things. You get a car and a driver, you get that office in the Capitol, you get tickets to the uh, governor's ball at the Oscars, and you get placed on the list that all the great mentioners mention, right? That comes with the job. People talk about you as presidential timber. Not a huge record of success. Of course, everyone points to Ronald Reagan. Jerry Brown tried three times. Pete Wilson very unsuccessfully ran for president. I think that's another reason that Gavin Newsom may not run. I think he's smart enough to know it's really, really tough to be governor of California and run for president successfully. And I think, too, one thing he would find is all this flattering press coverage about, gee, is Gavin Newsom going to run? Is he not going to run? All of a sudden would turn on a dime and be very much about his record and his performance. And, you know, as much as we love our wonderful state, there are a lot of people who don't. And all the baggage, homelessness and all the crazy, loopy, left-wing, crazy California stuff, would very much be part of the baggage that Gavin Newsom would be schlepping around Iowa, New Hampshire, and wherever else he'd be campaigning for president. Finally, Mark, how has all of this national attention affected Newsom? Like, do you think that the Newsom that was a mayor of San Francisco is the same as a Newsom that's the governor of California today? I mean, Gavin Newsom has always been someone who... Oh, is willing to take bold steps as he sees them. I think he sees himself as uh, destined for big things. As San Francisco mayor, he famously pushed through uh, gay marriage and allowed it to happen long before the rest of the country. So he was way out front of the country on that thing. I think he would feel a great deal of pride, actually, that he was out front of the rest of the country. So I think he's always had that streak, if you will, to think big and to act bold. I think now he has a much larger platform as California governor, and he's looking to exercise that. Mark, thanks so much for this conversation. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of The Times, essential news from the LA Times. Kasha Bersali and Shannon Lynn were the jefas on this episode, and Mike Heflin mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Bersali, and David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our engineers are the mighty M's, Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba El Orbani, and our theme music is by Andrew Ipin. And hey, we're building a Dia de los Muertos audio altar this year and would love to include your memories of your loved ones. Call 619-800-0717, 619-800-0717, and leave us a voicemail with your own ofrendas. Tell us who you are, where you live, and then tell us a story about a friend, a family member, someone dear to you who has passed on and joined the ancestors. We want to air an episode with those stories around Day of the Dead. Thanks in advance, and again, the number is 619-800-0717. I'm Gustavo Arellano. We'll be back Wednesday with all the news in this madre. Gracias. 